Welcome to the new podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a place that is about inspiring hope. You can find out more about us and hear more messages at MyGatewayFellowship.com. Tonight, I want to take you to a story in the Bible, a narrative of how Jesus Christ deals with crisis in our life. It's about the storm. It's found in Mark chapter 4. And we pick up the narrative in verse, I think it's about 35, Mark chapter 4, it might be 20-something. No, it's 35, I had it right. By the way, I'm so glad I invested in, in Apple stock, aren't you? <laughs> I don't know anybody brings a book up here anymore. Everybody, everybody I've seen up here has, has an iPod in their hand. Or, I'm sorry, it might be the kick, the, 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 you know, whatever, the, the, the throwaway, the, the imitation. No, no, I'm sure it is. Verse... 35, chapter 4, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And there were other little boats with them. The Bible says they took him in the boat as he was. How was he? He was tired. All day long, he had been ministering. His humanity was weary from the press of people. If you deal with people and the challenges of people and their challenges, you're going to be tired at the end of the day. Jesus was weary. The Bible says they took him into the boat as he was. He said to them, let's cross over to the other side. Why did he want to go to the other side? Because on the other side was a refuge. On the other side was a place where I was spending some of my morning this morning. I knew it would be church tonight, so I didn't go to church in the morning. Some people go to church on the morning, in the morning. I went to the woods to spend some time with God alone and find that solitude and that refuge. Jesus was going to the other side because there weren't many people there. And he wanted to get away from the press of people. And so he got into the boat. The Bible says there are little boats with him, and they begin to push off from the shore. And the Bible says, a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. What had happened? Well, very simply, you may not know this, a little trivia question for you. What is the lowest freshwater lake in all the world? The Sea of Galilee. How low is it? 330 feet below sea level. And what happens is the, 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 the cool air comes across the plain of Estrelon or the plain of Megiddo, depending on what you want to call it. It's the, it's the plain between the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Sea of Galilee. And this, this, this cool air comes across and it meets that warm, moist air of the lake. And what, what happens when you have cool air meeting warm, moist air, Joplin, Missouri? Huh? You have immediate storm, immediate squalls. And and there's one place, even today, I don't care if you're fishing 2,000 years ago or you're fishing today, you do not want to be in the middle of a deep lake and in the middle of a storm. And so the Bible says this storm came upon them. The Bible also says it came without warning. A great storm arose, and the Bible says it came quickly. And the Bible says the waves started to beat against the boat, but then the waves started coming into the boat, and pretty soon the boat was filling up with water. Another thing about boats and water, you want to keep the water on the outside and not let it get to the inside. But the water was coming on the inside, and the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible's very clear here. The Bible says the boat is what? It is filling up with water, which means the boat is going to do what? It's going to sink, which means you're going down. So... He's in the middle. 
They're in the middle of this storm. And, you know, the disciples have dropped the sail. They're working the oars. Jesus can't be found. Yet he's somewhere in one of these boats. In the middle of the storm, where is Jesus? Well, you know the story. The Bible says he's in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Now, how in the world, if you got water coming into the boat, the boat is filling up, how in the world can you be sleeping in water in the middle of a storm? Well, have you ever fallen asleep in the bathtub? (laughs) The Sea of Galilee is not terribly cold water. It could be that some of the water had gotten around Jesus, but I don't know if he really had water around him. Back about 25 years ago, back when terrorism was so high in Israel that tourism was so low, they invited some Adventist preachers to go to Israel. And I was one they invited. We were 125 preachers, guests of the government. Because some people in the mind of the Israeli government thought, if you, can get, if you can get some preachers over here to see how safe we are, they'll invite their congregations to come and they'll be okay. So we were guests of the government. We boarded the flight down in Miami, Al Al, the big airline for the Israeli government. We flew over to Tel Aviv, and for five days we were guests of the government. I mean, we were treated like kings and queens. There were some women too. You know, we were just having a great time. Well, when we were there, they were having a drought in Israel. And the Sea of Galilee, the sea was beginning to dry up some, not that bad, but it had receded from its borders about 100 feet and had not done that for hundreds of years. And there in the drying up seabed was an old fishing boat that dated back to the time of Jesus. And they had dug it up and they had placed it there in a little kibbutz. You know what a kibbutz is, don't you? It's a commune. But don't think of hippie communes, okay? It was a commune of people who'd come into Israel to live and work together and share the meat. Socialism is what it kind of is. You know, everybody works together, puts some money together, and then you split it up, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, it was in a kibbutz in a little room about the size of maybe a half of a basketball court. And there in this green solution was this fishing boat dating back to the time of Jesus Christ. And it weren't that big. It, to me, looked like a glorified canoe. You know, it, it maybe was about 15, 16 feet long and maybe about 8 feet wide. And there was a section there that looked like it was a platform. And that's probably where Jesus was sleeping back in the back of the boat. That's the stern, right? I got that right, don't I? Front of the boat is the bow. The rear of the boat is the stern, right? So <laughs> Jesus is sleeping back there. He's in the middle of this storm. The water's coming in. Pretty soon, those disciples who were fishermen, who knew what happened on the lake, knew the boat was going down, that it's not a good place to be when you're in a lake that is 900 feet deep in some places. Not a good place to be. And somebody, maybe the lightning flashes, and they see Jesus sleeping. And they go to him, and they awaken him. And notice what the Bible says. I love this. He was asleep on the pillow, and they awoke him, verse 38, and said to him, Teacher, Do you not care that we are perishing? Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care? Now, here are the disciples crossing the lake. Everything's fine. And all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere comes this sudden storm. And they, in the midst of a terrible storm, suddenly it comes upon them. They know they're in a desperate situation. 
This story is about life. We're just trucking through life. And all of a sudden, somebody comes and says to you, guess what? You've got cancer. Or you're going through life and somebody just dies. Like what happened to Neville. No one's expecting it. 1993, I'll never forget, it was Halloween of all days. My brother calls me up. He says, Dave, I've got sad news. What's going on, brother? This is my older brother who was the Marine in Vietnam. He is the oldest among four boys. He said, he's sitting down. I said, I guess I should. All right, I'm sitting down. Well, today, brother, he said, um, mom was in a car accident. She's gone. Halloween. Just going down to get her mail at the post office in Benson, Arizona, and some crazy guy comes across the median on Interstate 10, and her life is snuffed out, gone. Suddenly, and some of you had that experience. I know we had that with Neville. Suddenly, without any warning, the disciples are in the middle of the boat, they're sinking. They believe they're dying, friends. The disciples believe they're going down. And they see Jesus sleeping. How could he be asleep? But they finally wake him up, and he, the first question they ask him, do you not care that we are perishing? It, we're in a sudden situation. It may be disease. It may be disaster. It may be disaster. Just last night, watching the news, watching the terrible things happening in Joppa, Missouri, I talked about this young mother went down to the pizza hut to get a pizza for her little for her son who had just graduated from high school. She's going down to get the pizza to bring it home to the gang to celebrate this graduation of her son. And guess what? She's missing. They found her car. It looks like there's a seat belt attached in the seat. There's a shoe lying on the dash. The car's windows are all gone. The car looks like it's been through whatever. All mashed up. A mangled mess. Mom is missing. Three children. Jonathan, Missouri. One of 130-some they've confirmed now dead, and still there's over 100 missing. What is it? We go through life, we're impacted with life. Like the disciples out there in the middle of the boat, these things happen suddenly, and it is a natural response to do what they're saying. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that I'm going through this terrible hell? Do you not care I'm dealing with this, this disease? Do you not care? This story is talking about our life. Now notice what Jesus does. I catch it now. What does Jesus, the Christ, do? The Bible says, and we says here, verse 39, he doesn't respond to their question. He does not say anything about if he cares or not. He simply stands up. Somehow he rises up in that boat. Can you see it in your mind? The wind is blowing. It is a terrible time. The boat is almost sink, is sinking. It's almost going down. Then he arose. Somehow in that rocky little boat, he arose, and the Bible says he rebukes the wind. Don't know what he says to the wind. The Bible says that Satan is the prince and the power of the air. He could have been rebuking Satan, I don't know, but he rebukes the wind, and then he says to the sea, peace, be still. And friend, it wasn't ten minutes later. It wasn't one minute later. 
It wasn't 30 seconds later. It was immediately everything went still. The wind stopped. The sea went calm. Perfectly still. Uh, the Greek, someone tells me, the Greek here talks about, it was your pastor, by the way, I mean, Hebrews. I was telling him I was going to tell the story, and so Jose says, hey, by the way, you're the Greek here. I said, what if, you know, the Greek here is he was like saying to the children, hey, quiet, be, 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 be still now. Be children, just, just settle down. Just settle down, kids. <laughs> he could say that because he's the creator. <laughs> but he says, Everything be still. And immediately it becomes calm. And then notice, watch this, watch this, watch this. He turns to the disciples. Now, it's not just those disciples in this boat. The other disciples are closer in the other boats. They're all kind of gathered around him. And he's preaching one of his most powerful sermons in illustration form. And he says to them, verse 40, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I call that an unfair question. I call that a ridiculous question. Come on, Lord, we're going down here. Come on, Lord, our loved one has been torn from us. Our friend, our, 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 our brother has been taken from us. What do you mean? How is it we're afraid? How is it we're not feeling desperate? And, and, and then the Bible says, they do not respond back to him, but rather they respond to one another. And notice, it's the next verse, and they, the Bible says, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, if you had a fear monitor, let's just say, for example, there was some kind of machine you could hook up to somebody that had a fear monitor. Have you ever been on an EKG machine? EKG? Terry, have you seen the EKG machine? Yeah, all right, all right, all right. All right, EKG, you know, they hook you up and they tell you how good your heart is, right? If you had a fear monitor that could determine fear and say one to ten, ten being the very top, here the disciples are in the middle of the boat, I'm going to give them an eight. The boat's going down, they're fearful, they're afraid, they're, they're going to perish, they're way up there and bumping up to the eight, maybe going almost to a nine. But now, now Jesus stands up and in a second he changes the whole scenery, calms everyone, calms everything. And now the Bible says, now, notice verse 40, it says, 41, and they feared even more. They feared exceedingly. Now the monitor is going to ten. It's banging at the top of the, I mean, it's way up there. What is going on here? And then the Bible says, they're saying to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this? You see, this story, this story is about our life. This story about how we engage life and how life engages us and how we're impacted by the, the crises in our lives. And here we are going through life. And all of a sudden, boom. We're impacted by the loss of a loved one or there's disease or death or divorce or whatever it might be. We're impacted by the tragedies of life and we feel like nobody is caring. And this story is about a master, a creator who says, wait a minute, I care. But he doesn't say this in the story, but rather he illustrates it. And then the, the story really illustrates a very powerful point. I mean, when he turns to them and he says, how is it that you are afraid? How is it that you have no faith? 
I, I believe this, if you're reading the drama of this story, you've got to say to yourself, this is an unfair question. We're in the middle of a drowning boat. We're in the middle of going down. We're in the middle of a terrible crisis. We've lost a loved one. It's only natural and right to feel this way. Doesn't the Lord understand? I mean, I can hear the disciples saying for just a moment, wait a minute, Lord, you're saying, how is it that you have no faith and you're afraid? Doesn't he understand? We get afraid in these kind of situations. This is a natural outcome of the situation we're in. Well, sure he does. The point of this whole story is, not does the Lord understand who we are, and how we're going to feel about a situation. The impact of this story is, is to understand who is in the boat with the disciple. Who is in the boat? And that's what his whole point is. And that's why he doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't turn to them and say, yeah, I care, you're perishing. Rather, he stands up and he calms the sea. He, he takes away some of the pain and brings comfort. He calms the soul. He calms the, 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 the sense of the being. He gives us peace. But, but, but the point of the story, who is in the boat? Who was in the boat? The creator. The one who names the, the, the numberless stars in the universe. That you can stand up on top of a mountain and look at all those wonderful stars and think that some of those stars represent galaxies and some of those galaxies have as many as 100,000 to 200,000 stars around just one, and they are infinite in number. That this is the one who one day imagined that there would be an earth, that there'd be a sun, that there'd be you and me, that would be creator God. This is the most powerful being in all the universe. This is God. And he wants us to understand in this story that he is where? He's in the boat with us impacting life with us where we are. You know the old poem, Footprints, I love it. You know, the man talks about how he's walking along the beach. And he's walking and talking with the Lord. And he sees two set of footprints. And then it gets foggy and it's, you know, it's kind of tough and he can't hardly make his way. And he only sees one set of footprints. And then he comes out of the fog and out of the terrible time and he gets back and where he sees, it's a little better, and he sees two set of footprints. And he turns now to the Lord because he knows the Lord's with him because he sees two set of footprints. He says, Lord, I see you're with me now. Where were you back there during the hard times, during the, the despair that I felt? Where were you? Oh, I was with you. No, you weren't. You forsook me. I Why do you say that? Because I only saw one set of footprints. The Lord turns to him and says, no, my friend, those were not your set of footprints. Those were mine because I was carrying you during this time. See, during the dark hours, during the tough times, God is the one who carries us through. And in this story, in this wonderful story, the Lord is telling us by his example, don't fear, I'm with you. And I am no ordinary being with you. That he is the almighty God of all the universe. Years ago, I was a student missionary to Hong Kong. And I was catching a flight from Atlanta to Oakland. Oakland, California. But 
I had, we had to go through a stop in San Jose. I'll never forget this. This experience is one of these things that just sort of sticks in my mind. But as, as we're flying along, I started visiting with the person across the aisle from me, a young lady, and we were talking about college and talking about life and just visiting together all for the hours all the way from Atlanta to whatever it was, San Jose, probably about a four-hour journey. And just as we were coming down on that airplane, you know, I'll never forget sitting by an attorney one time who was uh, a lead attorney for a big bankruptcy court case in Seattle, and he w- we were getting ready to land, and he was just like this. And I thought, what's the matter? Oh, he says, this is the worst part of the flight. I hate landing. I just hate landing. <laughs> well, it is, it is, this, it is the, you know, landing and taking off, sure. But here we were, just coming into San Jose, and just as the airplane was coming down, you know, just as the wheels touch the tarmac, you get ready for the little jolt, you know, and you wonder, how good is this pilot at flying this bird? I hope it's a smooth landing. And, you know, and he's coming in and coming in and coming in. And, 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 and this time, when the guy hit, <clears throat> when he landed the plane, is immediately when it hit, all of a sudden the plane jerked, and it felt like it was going to roll. And for a split second, you thought you were done. Just that, just, and all through the cabin, you heard this gasp. Oh, what's going on? And, and, and as quickly as it happened, it was all over. And we settled down and taxied normally, like nothing was wrong. And I turned to the girl sitting next to me and I said, Boy, that was a close one across the aisle. You're sitting over there. And I said, That was close. She says, I wasn't worried. I said, You weren't worried? I said, Everybody around us is worried. We're all worried. I mean, what, that, what do you mean you weren't worried? I, I wasn't worried. I said, What do you mean? You just, you, you just fly a lot? She said, Well, I do fly a lot, but that's not the reason I wasn't worried. I said, Well, how is it you're so calm? Well, she says, I know the pilot. I said, what? She said, I know the pilot. I said, you know the pilot? Yeah. You know, who, who's the pilot to you? She, she said, the pilot's my dad. I fly with him all the time. I wasn't worried. We're going through life, folks. Crisis hits. Who's our pilot? Who's up there in the cockpit? Who's driving this plane? Now, remember in this story, I'm going to go back to the narrative. Who was it that said, let's cross over to the other side? Jesus. Jesus is the one who invited you to walk with him. He's in charge. He's your pilot. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.